right, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. So you're, you're in town for... Uh, until the 19th. And then you go? Yep, I'm going to Pennsylvania, and then I'm going to head out west for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Where in Pennsylvania? Um, Allentown. Allentown. Okay, so we have temples, some temples that we have a farm. Oh, really? Yeah. And we have, yeah, there's Gidanagari Farm. In Allentown? I don't know not, where Allentown okay. is. <laughs> but there's, there's a couple temples say. in Pennsylvania. But there's, okay. a, there's a cool farm that people like to go to. Um, and good to see you here. First time at the Darshan. Huh? Many times at the temple. Huh? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, little story for you. So there was there was a man and he came to the point where he just wanted to be done with his life. So he was standing on a bridge ready to jump off. And so some nice gentleman, he saw him and he he said, uh, he said, don't, don't do that. And he started trying to find some rapport. What do they have in common? And he asked him, are you religious? And he said, yes. He said, are, are, you, are you Muslim? Are you Christian? Are you Jewish? He said, I'm Christian. <clears throat> he said, me too. And he said, are you, are you Protestant? Are you a Catholic? He said, I'm a Protestant. He said, me too. He said, are you, uh, what franchise are you, Baptist? He said, me too. I'm a Baptist as well. And he said, well, are you uh, the liberal Baptist or conservative Baptist? He's a conservative Baptist. Me too. And then he got a little technical. He said, are you Northern Conservative Baptist or uh, the Great Lakes region or Southern Conservative Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. He said, oh my God, me too. Just getting a little more technical here. And then he says, Wait, are you Northern Conservative Baptist uh, uh, Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative <laughs> Baptist Council of 1912? And he said, I'm Northern Conservative Baptist Council of 1879. And he said, die, heretic! <laughs> Pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> 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 um, so I got this class from a devotee named Rajabi Hari, and it's called "I'm Right, You're Wrong." <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong. So it's something we all struggle with. Um, and so there's a cool section here in the Bhagavatam. This is a if you look on the bookshelf. So it's just a joke, just to let you know. It didn't actually happen, don't worry. A lot of horrible things have happened, but I don't know if that joke ever came to life. So this is the 
uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, it takes up uh, two shelves. It's 18 volumes in this size. Um, I sold this set to my wife to be in year 2001. <laughs> uh, investment. <laughs> and, um, so in this book, there is a section called the Uddhava Gita, which is kind of like the Bhagavad Gita. It's a little bit bigger, uh, but it's many of the same topics that are covered in the Bhagavad Gita are rediscussed and in also great detail in the Uddhava Gita. And so in the 22nd chapter, there's a section about the elements of material nature. Um, some of you might be familiar with some of the elements of material nature. Do you remember any of the elements? Um, so there's the physical and there's the subtle. Is the physical elements like the fire, water, earth, yes. and then also ether? Ether, yes. So you got earth, water, fire, air, and space. And they're also related to our, our um, space, sound travels through a, a distance, a space. Air, you can't see it, but you can feel it. There's a sense of touch. Uh, without fire, there is no sight, without any uh, illumination. Without water, there is no taste. And without earth, there is no fragrance. All the five elements are related to the five senses. And so, in the first verse, he says, Uddhava is asking Krishna, he says, how many elements, how many different elements are there? I personally just heard from you, 28. I heard about the soul, God, the Mahatattva, the, the false ego, the five, five gross elements, the, the knowledge-acquiring senses, the, work, the active working senses, the mind, the five, five subtle objects of perception. We just discussed those. While others say that there's 25, or 7, or 9, 6, 4, 11. Even others say that there's 17, 16, or 13. Uh, what... what what did all these sages have in mind when they calculated creative elements in different ways? O Supreme Eternal, kindly explain this to me. So, uh, we heard in the Gita, your body is the eight gross elements, and then you have your subtle elements. What are the three subtle elements? Mind, Mind intelligence, false ego. and the, the false ego. So the thing that makes you identify with the physical. So we have this illusion that we think we're the body. But the body we had when we were 12 died off. All those cells have died. And, and we never, at our 13th birthday, because tomorrow is Vishaka's 12th birthday. And you probably not cry, my 11-year-old body is gone. It's died. Because within seven years, every cell dies off. So did you cry that you lost your seven-year-old body when you turned eight? No, I don't think so. No, it didn't happen. Because uh, you, you just constantly identify with whatever body you're in at that moment. So we're actually not the body. Just like if you were at the Jim Henson set and they're filming, they got um, 
uh, Kermit the Frog. Has anybody ever seen the, the first know. movie, Muppets movie? Back in the day. Yeah. So what's happening? The fisherman is he's going in the swamp. And he comes across a frog and he says, oh, I'm lost. I don't, uh, I don't know what to do. And what does Kermit say? Have you tried Harry Krishna? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 and he's just like, <laughs> he just looks at him very confused. <laughs> so you're on that set. And then uh, whoever does the puppetry for Kermit pulls his hand out. And you see the frog just limp onto the ground. So you run over there and start doing CPR to the uh, Kermit. You know, He's dead! <laughs> but he never was alive. So similarly, this material body has the illusion of life, but it's actually the soul that gives it life. Soul goes somewhere else. It hasn't died. It hasn't changed. It's just gone somewhere else. So, continuing on. So Krishna replies, he says, because all the material elements are present everywhere, so they're, they're present in subtle forms, it is reasonable that different learned brahmanas or uh, in, in intellectuals have analyzed them in different ways. All such philosophers spoke under the shelter of my mystic potency, and thus they could say anything without contradicting the truth. For example, um, how many of you have seen one of those pictures where it looks like two faces facing each other, but then you look at it another way, it's, too, it's a vase. There's thousands of these kind of illusions that you could see. Now, who's right? Is it the vase or is it the face? It's, it's both. There's different perceptions and different angles. And so Krishna is responding to this. When, a philosopher argue, when, the philo- when philosophers argue, I don't choose to analyze this particular case in the same way you have. It is simply my insurmountable energies that are motivating their analytic disagreements. By the interactions of my energies, different opinions arise. But those who have fixed their intelligence on me and controlled their senses, differences of perception disappear, and consequently the very cause for argument is removed. Because subtle and gross elements mutually enter into one another, philosophers may calculate the number of basic material elements in different ways according to their personal desire. All subtle and material elements are actually present within their gross effects. Similarly, all gross elements are present within their subtle causes. Since, it's like, so... Is it the chicken or the egg? (laughs) Kind of there somewhere. The egg's in the chicken and the chicken's in the egg. (laughs) Since material creation takes place by progressive manifestations of elements from subtle to gross, we find we can find all material elements within a single element. And I think here's the last verse I'll read on this. Therefore, no matter... Which of these thinkers is speaking? And regardless of the, whether their calculation, whether in their calculations they can include material elements within their previous subtle causes or within their subsequent manifest products, I accept their co- conclusions as authoritative because a, a logical explanation can be given for each of the different theories. Now, 
doesn't necessarily mean that anything anybody says can be accepted as truth, but this is in regards to authorities of particular ancient authorities on material elements and how they analyzed it. Depending on your where you're standing, you've probably heard the example of the elephant. How many of you have heard the example of the elephant and the blind man? So five blind men, they go to see an elephant and one of them has the nose and he's like, or is it six? Six blind men? So one's the nose and it's like, oh, it is like, like a boa constrictor. Like a big snake. Elephant is like a snake. That's my answer. The other one's like, he's got the tail, it's like a rope. The other one has the belly, it's like a barrel. The other one has the leg, it's like a tree trunk. The other one has the ear, it's like, no, it's like a big giant pancake. And they're like, ah, I don't want to know. They're arguing against each other because they don't have a complete picture, but they aren't actually speaking uh, uh, in factor. They're speaking on a certain element of truth. The feet are like tree trunks. The feet like a tree trunks. We cover that one. Is there one we miss? I guess a tusk could be something. Well, the body was more like a wall. A wall? Oh, there you go. Like a wall? You're wrong. All right. (laughs) 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 So, we perceive things um, not only according to our particular position, but also to the level of our consciousness. So in the Vedic literature, it describes three levels of consciousness. How many of you heard of the gunas, the three modes of nature? Tamaguna, ignorance, rajaguna, passion, and sattvaguna, goodness. So somebody in sattvaguna, they go to the forest and they think, this is a great place to meditate. And they and they kind of uh, see that they honor the interconnectedness between the, the, all the different ecological systems that are going on and a sense of uh, tranquility that is there. The, maybe the, the, the difference between the, the noise of the city and the noise of the bugs Hopefully there should be some bugs making sounds. Water, creeks. And then there's someone who is in the mode of passion, the mode of rajas means they're all about how can I uh, take advantage of this situation? How can I uh, improve myself to be the king? So thinking like uh, counting the trees, oh, I can count, cut down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I'm gonna make lots of money cutting down all these trees. The one in the mode mode of ignorance might just think of it as a place to sleep, or maybe even to to rob somebody, to or just some some more dark or kind of unconscious action. So different levels of perception, and so. Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita he describes this vision according to the modes so let's see I think it's verse 20 in the 18th chapter 
So I'll read the Sanskrit. Sarvabhuteshu yenaikam bhavam avayam ikshate avibhaktam vibhakteshu tarjkhyanam vidhisattvakam That knowledge by which one undivided spiritual nature is seen in all living entities. Though they are divided into innumerable forms, you should understand to be in the mode of sattva, or goodness. So a person who sees the soul in all creatures, that's sattva. Rajas. Pritakvena tu yajjanam nana bhavam pritakvidam Veti sarveshu bhuteshu tajjanam vidirajasam That knowledge by which one sees in a diff- in, that in every different body there is a different type of living entity you should understand to be in the mode of passion. So right now I'm taking a course on U.S. history at Eastfield College. And uh, how wonderful you must think that must be. (laughs) (laughs) So U.S. history, what is it it happening in U.S. history? Mostly a lot of slavery, uh, a lot of killing of Indians. Um, But there was a type of religious justification. Do you know what, what... kind of religious uh, ideology was presented. Why is it okay to have slaves? They don't have souls. They don't have souls. And those uncivilized people also, they're, they're not so sure if they had souls either. And uh, how many women we have? One, two, three, four, five. Women have half a soul. <laughs> so it's like maybe paralyzed on one side. Only fill it one side, correct? <laughs> so, a very interesting idea. Um, and that's why it was okay. It's uh, like uh, we, ha- they had, we, ho- we hold this truth that, uh, as self-evident that all men are created equal except for blacks, Indians, and women. <laughs> it was like there in the Constitution. You know, it was... Uh, so, it was very... Um, Hypocritical, like the the people who were writing it had slaves. Um, And so you find that there's a lack of depth of perception. And so the the Krishna and the Gita and the Bhagavatam encourages us to come to the deepest of understanding of what is consciousness. Like, for example... Uh, most people won't say anything like they don't say black people don't have a soul, Indians don't have a soul, women have that. They don't say that, but there's still a lot of people say animals don't have a soul, and it's a, it is the same category of level of foolishness. And would you buy? I said this. Would you buy your two cousins, your two nephews? There's two of them, but you only have enough money for one puppy. So you just say, hey, you know, sometimes I know the puppies pass away. Uh, just give me some in the garbage can. You know, the, 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 the 
two of those. It's the same thing. A dead dog is the same thing as a live dog because they don't have a soul. It's the same thing. You know? It's the same as this drum or a chair. Or, you know, uh, you know, chair has four legs and puppy has four legs. Same thing. Most people won't think that way, but what they speak becomes illogical. It's shown in that way that how would you say it has no soul? And you mean you don't know what the soul is? That's a, that's the problem. Is that the presence of the soul is what? How do you know something that has a soul? Consciousness. It's alive. Yeah, it's conscious. It shows a symptom of life. And it grows. It, it produces children or a byproduct. It, it has birth. It has uh, growth. It has. Uh, it stays for some time. It starts to dwindle, and then, it, then it's gone. Like for example, my car. If I give it a lot of gas, it doesn't make baby Toyotas. <laughs> There's no extra Toyotas you get for feeding it. So this level of sattva, when we come to that more clear stage, then there is more of a self-reflective instead of... Um, because you see that there's a union between everything, so you, uh, it becomes less in that mood of, I'm right, you're wrong. But become more, you, the person becomes more open for self-reflection and, and input. For example, in Krishna's pastime, there was a, there was a man named Ashvatam, and he was a pretty bad guy. He killed five babies in their sleep. And Arjuna uh, chased after him, arrested him. And Krishna said, kill that guy. <laughs> Arjuna said, yeah. he took he brought him back to you know court. And Arjuna's wife, who was the mother of those five babies, she was thinking, well, you know, how I feel, I don't want his mother to feel that way. And also, uh, he is a priest. We're not supposed to, to harm the priest. And also he is your guru's son. And you're supposed to have great honor for your guru. And so she gave different arguments. Now, um, and everybody was like, okay, okay. Everybody except for one character named Bhima. He was like, no, no, off of his head. <laughs> Bhima is a, he's a violent character, but he's also a good guy. But he's pretty tough. He's like the Hulk. Um, and Arjuna, hearing Krishna, who is apparently God himself, saying, this guy needs to go. This baby, you know, he, he went to someone's house and killed their babies. And then he, and then he heard this other person, very saintly lady, saying, no, you, you cannot, we have to be soft with, the, with those who are, you know, teachers, priests, things like that. And so Arjuna, he, this, this person, Ashvatam, he was born with a jewel in his head. 
was, he was not an ordinary person. And so Arjuna took his sword and went, cut the jewel. And then, and it was such a honor-led uh, society that that type of dishonor was worse than death. And Krishna was like, okay. Even though he did not do what Krishna said, Krishna was like, okay, you got, you got the answer right. <laughs> so there was some self-reflection. It wasn't like, okay. He said, I do. You know, it was like thoughtfulness. Um, there's, like, there's, different, there's different stories like that. Do you have any in mind? Any stories in mind? There was another one. Uh, there was... A, a powerful being. He was not a human. He was like a superhuman. He was from other travels from planet to planet. And he was... Uh, he's, he, he started this family to... Uh, there, so according to ancient Hindu literature, uh, the, the creation of the universe it happens repetitively. After like billions of years, it gets created again. Like 30, 311 trillion years, the whole thing is destroyed and then recreated after some time. And then there are some smaller destructions and creations that happen. And so he, he was having these sons that would go and populate planets. I know this sounds really far out, but we're going to go there. And so he's pot, they're called projectiles. They're, 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 they and so he's training these, these, uh, his children to become greatly saintly persons and to um, start families and they're yogis. And yogis, have, some yogis have what is called Kama Rupa. How, how many of you know what the word Rupa means? Like for example, I remember the first time I went to India, I saw a BBD uh, and you know BBD like men's underwear yeah. <laughs> and the, the brand was Rupa because <laughs> Rupa means form <laughs> fits you for <laughs> and Kama maybe you heard that word what book what sutra did you hear Kama means desire yeah. you know, sutra is a genre of literature so Kama Rupa means a person who can change whatever form they desire. And so if you have a, a yogi and a yogini with his wife, they can turn into deer. They can mate, copulate, and have deer babies. And that's how these yogis would populate different planets. But then they made a sage named Narada. Narada was like, Nah, forget all this family life. Let's become monks and just travel the universe and meditate. And they're all like, yeah, let's do that. And the father was a little upset because his whole plan, and it was like a kind of like divine instruction that he was given. He was kind of a little like upset. But he understood both sides, and so he pacified his mind. So in the, in the Gita, there's a chapter 10 of this book it talks about um, 
vibhutis or different excellences in this world. Like he says, of mountains, I, I am the Himalayas. Of, of, of seasons, I'm the flower-bearing spring. Of, of, of cheaters, I am gambling. Or something like that, yeah. Of what? Of purifiers, I am the wind. Of purifiers, I am the wind. Of fishes, I am the shark. Of animals, I am the lion. Of men, I am the monarch. Uh, the wind is pretty pure finest. Oh no, it was a little something. Just like, okay, we, somebody's gonna demonstrate. I'll purify. Okay. That too. Show and tell. <laughs> and then he says, Vada Pravadantamaham. He says, of of debate. I am Vada. And so there are different in, in the Vedic literature that describe different forms of logical debate. There's Jalpa, uh, there's uh, Jalpa, I can't remember all the terms, but they're basically kind of like one of them is where you try to just kind of destroy your party without even establishing your truth. You're just like, you're just messing up their game. You know? <coughs> Another one is basically the, uh, the, the perfection, the uh, vada, is when both parties just simply want to know what is the truth. They're not trying to compete against each other. They just want to know what's the truth. It's, uh, it's my ego is not really in the equation, which is often in our situation is our egos in the equation. So vada is that dialogue when both parties just want to know the truth. Let's see. I got some notes here. Anything? Yeah, yeah. Vada. Vada pravadantam aham. So what do you need to have like this um, good dialogue and have it? What, what, what are some things you think you need to have the uh, cooperation among parties. An open mind. Open mind. Good right. communication. Good communication. That's a very important. That's part of the good communication. Yeah. Compassion. Compassion. Good intentions. Yeah, I mean, I think like love, just like you respect the other person. Trust in the other yeah. person. Love and trust in the other person. Like, uh, think of somebody right now that you trust very much. Somebody may give the pin to your debit card. <laughs> and think of somebody uh, that you don't trust at all. And now, how would you compare the way you relate to those two? Humanity. Humanity? That's a sense of like uh, compassion, or so that that affects how the um, the progress in how we um, how we deal with situations. So our founder Srila Prabhupada he said, "Unity and diversity." So 
you, you don't want everyone to think the same way. Everybody heard of the term um, bias confirmation, confirmational bias, yes. where you just hang out with people who think exactly the same way you do, and then you, you read the magazines and newspapers and watch the TV channels that all support your views. And you develop, yes, 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 yes. Hell, Hitler! <laughs> that's, like, that's where they went. <laughs> they just all had their hearing the same thing, and it just all seemed to like condition them to accept some horrible things. So it's important to, to have compassion and see opinions that oppose yours. So we can become broad-binded. Srila Prabhupada said, a saintly person... Uh, he said, a materialistic person, whatever he desires, that's what he'll, he'll uh, aim for. And that's what he'll say is the right thing. He said, a saintly person will think thrice. He will, he will really question his motives. Like you see Arjuna in the Gita, 18 chapters, 9 chapters start with a question, and the other 9 start with an implied question. He said, really, is this, am I making the right decisions in life? And then we want just not just to be conflict beyond conflict, but we want to go to actual a, a platform where we actually spiritually grow. Not that you're good, I'm good, and we just stay not so good. We want to see that we actually grow. Sometimes some some contentions and conflict is is good, but generally often we are conflicting on the level of our ego, not on the basis of some kind of uh, real justice. It's more of just our, we're defending our, our egos. A saintly person will defend something that is unjust, but they won't spend energy to defend their ego. And so then I have a little prayer here. This is just from... Uh, our my guru's guru Prabhupada his guru's guru's guru Bhakti Thakur so boom, 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 boom. some 200 years ago and so he wrote a song and a, a part of the translation is you knowing that Sri Krishna lives in all beings you should respect and honor everyone at all times and he says it's very easy to honor a king but can you honor the the guy at Taco Bell. You know, so it's easy to honor some, you know, famous uh, Matt Damon or some, I don't know, some, some actor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> some actor. <laughs> but some uh, Taco Bell guy, it's like somebody in the street, somebody, you know, cutting in front of you, somebody at Walmart or whatever. You will attain virtue by being humble. Now, what is this humble? Humble doesn't mean uh, thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Meaning it, it's not a self-deprecating kind of mood. Merciful, respecting others. And here's a really hard one. Renouncing desires for honor and fame and you know, we, we, we like to be recognized, you know. And a lot of people who achieve many, many great things is they are in the background and they, and they give the credit to others, even though they might have they've done so much. 
In such a state, you should sing the glories of Sri Krishna. That, that, that kind of mentality makes it very easy to make spiritual progress. So, I will stop here and ask for reflections, um, uh, comments, and questions. I have one at the top of my Yes, head. awesome. Um, you talked about the ego and like this idea of defending our ego and what a saintly person would do. I personally find that it's uh, it's not always so obvious to recognize when our ego is at play. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there are very obvious stories that people share, but um, on our day-to-day life, if, you know, you, you identify yourself as a good person, but then recognizing when your ego is really the one that's at play. I think that's something a bit difficult to, uh, to notice. Yes, yes. Um, so, do you have anything to say about it, that? It, it takes some practice and some time to... Um, and sometimes we have to... It isn't our right to defend ourselves, but sometimes it's just we're, we're fighting just for the sake of... You know, just uh, being pushed by uh, conditionings of our heart. That it's not, there's, there's no, nothing to gain from such a fight. Somebody said it's like a, it's like a glass house. And if someone comes and smashes it, if you pick up the pieces, only you get cut. It's like, it doesn't really help the situation. Um, there, something like that, there's no substitution other than spiritual advancement. Oftentimes we won't know the answer, and to, uh, we won't have a clear understanding until we progress more and more and more. Otherwise, sometimes we could be in the right, sometimes we could be in the wrong. Uh, uh, Srila Prabhupada, he, he was with my teacher, and my teacher said every time he asked Prabhupada a question, in the, uh, you, in the early, late 60s, he said, Prabhupada always gave him like, sarcastic, funny answers. He said, Prabhupada, you know, when you're not here... We're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. What should we do? And he said, you can try, but you do the wrong thing. <laughs> but he took, he took away, and it was a joke, but it was kind of like that. Um, it's not just a formula, but it is a process of growth. And as we grow, then we'll have a, we, we will have a better, clearer understanding of when we're acting out of ego and when we're acting uh, out of some actual virtuous uh, program of protection. Thank you very much. Good question. So here, uh, everybody take something home with you today, and that is going to be your own realization. So a doggy bag. So Bobo, you got a doggy bag? So I'm just thinking about what she was saying about how to self-identify the ego. Um, and I think one useful tool is like whenever we're using communication is like um, like the subject that we're using. Is it you I'm talking about, or is it I that I'm talking about, or is it we? Like the approach and the perspective that we have in conversation is really a giant indicator of like where we're coming from. Whether that be the ego, the false ego, or spirit soul. Thank you. Doggy bag. Um, I guess yeah. No, that made me think about the ego and other people too, and forgiving that. You know, like kind of 
separating the person from their ego and like that's oh that's, that's a good one yeah. yeah realizing when it's taking over and other people too like if you if you ever look at astrology or Ayurveda where it talks about body types and you can realize wait that's just the that's just the car they got it works that way you know it's like somebody might be prone to be easily irritable somebody might be prone to just be kind of like a little lazy somebody might be prone to be very flaky and that's the machine that they got to work with and that conditioning is going to be more prominent in a certain way in them then uh, you know you may have a different set of conditioning and it's like hard to to empathize but then you can see okay it's con- like when you look at astrology it says okay uh, like one of my teach uh, my teacher he's really good at astrology he's, he can tell you what you're doing now what you did in the past and what you're going to do in the future and you and you think I'm in control but you're just gonna, you're just doing what you're being conditioned to do like he did an uh, Ayurveda seminar at SMU um, and at one point it was a three day seminar he said okay, I'm going to show you how Ayurveda is related to Jyotish astrology and he asked who in the class here knows what time you're born and the place you're born so half the class text their mom find out and they, they got all the time so half the class came up with answers and he started doing their astrology and he said okay your mother has worked in communications for the past 12 years she had a kidney problem four years ago your father works in a type of textile business and he's had a heart problem for the past 15 years it was like NSA it was like <laughs> he knew everything about these people and everybody's jaw was on the floor and this was in 2006 I watched the video uh, last year again and in the video he said it says Nitananda you know, that's my first name Nitananda he says you have an ankle problem and I said no <laughs> and then like for three years I was remember I was wearing an ankle brace Bali yeah, yeah. even one time I was walking around with a cane mm-hmm. like, you know I was even going with a cane and uh, it's not so bad now I just still it's like a little sore but he, at the time I said no then I watched the video I was like oh my god <laughs> he said in the video <laughs> I didn't even remember him telling me that but he said it in the video so Yes, any doggy bag to take home? Anything you want to um, remember Just from hearing the class? you guys talking about ego and stuff like that, I started reading this book, and um, something that really captured my attention as far as, like, you know, ego speaking in third, you know, what is the conversation about? Um, one thing that, that speaks volumes to me through Krishna is Krishna is saying, I am the truth. So I really don't think it's about ego or third person or anything like that I think if you speak the truth you don't have to worry about those things and sometimes that gets me in trouble um I speak too much of the truth but it's kind of like I believe like what Krishna believes is like if you really want to get to know me and have that communication and comfortability and realization of the true self of yourself then honesty is the best policy and if they don't like you then they're really not you know it's like I'm like that hardcore, like truthful, mm. because I want to be comfortable in my own skin. Nice, nice, thank you. You know, so that's kind of my little take on. So in the uh, in the seventh chap, seventeenth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna this he talks about all different subjects and according to the three levels of consciousness: sattva, rajas, tamas, goodness, passion, ignorance. And one of them he talks about. 
is the austerity of the body, austerity of the mind, and austerity of speech. And he says, and he says different things that you could do for the body, mind, and speech. And so for speech, he says, uh, Sanskrit goes like this, Anudvegam karam bhakyam satyam prihitam chayat svadaya bhyasanam chayva vanmayata puchite. He said, the, so the, the austerity of speech is to speak things that are truthful, uh, that are anudvegam, they're not um, agitating to others. They're uh, hitam, they're beneficial, and they are uh, karam, they're, uh, priyam, they're sweet or dear, and swadaya, they're based on actual spiritual substance. Um, so there are actually kind of two divisions that are given there. One of them is kind of uh, sensible and sensitive. And so, and certain situations require us to be sensitive and certain situations require us to be more sensible. See somebody walking, uh, some kid with a kite on the roof of a building. You don't start saying, Hey, he's, he's like, you he scream and like, you know, you you're not sensitive. You make your message very clear. Like you're gonna die, kid. Get off there. <laughs> um, but then if say, if somebody is on uh, on the street, and you don't know them, and they're, I guess they're maybe doing something that's kind of inappropriate, but it's not really harming somebody. I don't know. I'm trying. I can't think of a situation. But they're not really, they don't have a relationship with you, so you don't just tell them, hey, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> could be the truth. But it might, because you don't have a relationship, it would, it would just create conflict. It would just be like a... Um, so satyam, truthful. Like, for example, I could walk around to anybody I thought was ugly and say, truthfully, I think you're ugly. <laughs> but then it's hitam. Is it beneficial? Probably not. Uh... And it is it you know is it sweet is it dear so we combine all those together, um, which is hard to do, we, uh, to to control our tongue because it's like a, it's a sore, and, we, and it can hurt more than an actual sore. So we, it's really good. Thank you very much, Giorgio. Yeah, I mean, I was going to see if you could read something else that really stuck out to me in the Srimad uh, Bhagavatam where the different philosophers were, were debating on the elements. And it's something you said, you read it after that book, where Krishna says something along the lines of, you said abandon all religion, and once you stop, basically once you start doing something, then you lose the need to argue. Okay, that verse, you want to hear that verse? Yeah, yeah, that's really... So that's 20, chapter like that. 22, 11, Canto, that's probably like verse 6. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I really like that. So they ha- once they have the proper intention, and, and, and then they realize, okay, we're all discussing this thing for the exactly. same thing. We're always we're trying to get to that level here. It doesn't really, you know, you're not you're not in my conflict. You're yeah. not in, like you're not holding. Okay, so I guess it's number. Yeah, I got it right. Verse number six. Yeah. By interactions and by different energies, different opinions arise, but for those who have fixed their intelligence in me, so they fix their intelligence in the divine, in God, in Krishna. Controlling their senses, differentiation, differences of perception disappear, and consequently, the very cause for argument is removed. So, 
as if they grow spiritually, then they're like the 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 re the need to argue goes away. Especially the, I mean, these are he's talking about sages, like really serious spiritual practitioners. But the there may be philosophers and they come out with some different opinion, opinions, but not ordinary Joes. Like, we might have lots of reason to argue. <laughs> Here, I'll just read the purport. Conflicting varieties of perceptions are created by the interactions of the Lord's material energies in the minds of different philosophers who staunchly defend their opinions, stating, this may be the case, or perhaps that, or the other. Or this may not be the case, or perhaps that is not the case. Such logical, rational, proposing, doubting, counter-proposing, counteracting, etc., takes thousands of different forms and becomes the basis of argument. Actually, the Supreme Personality of God, Lord Sri Krishna, is the basis of all existence. And since everything emanates from the Lord, is maintained by the Lord, and the end is merged to rest within the Lord, Krishna is the paratattva, or the highest truth, underlying all dependent truths. In a society of learned persons who have understood the personality of God to be everything, there is no further cause of philosophical quarrel. Such unity of opinion is not based on the absence of philosophical inquiry, nor the stifling of rational discussion, but is a natural result of spiritual enlightenment. So you can have a society of people of completely different moods, like Somebody may have a very, uh, very, very, kind of, I would say the word liberal is kind of a loaded and then conservative is like a very loaded word. But you get people of liberal and conservative moods, but if their goal is the same, then they can be without conflict. Just like if you imagine this is a pond and you throw your rock there. And I throw my rock there, he throws his rock there, she throws her rock there, you throw your rock there, and you throw your rock there, then they all make waves and they collide. But we throw the rock at the same point, they don't collide. So we have that all that same, uh, we have a spiritual goal that it aims at the same, we aim at the source of everything, then there is no conflict. Because the goal is the same. And, one second. Such union, okay, we read that. So-called philosophers proudly boast that they're searching and researching for the absolute truth, but somehow consider one who has found the absolute truth to be less intelligent than one who has not found it, but is searching. Because Lord Krishna is the absolute truth, one who fully surrenders to the Lord becomes the most learned person. So unity and diversity. You need you need a, a kind of a tightened string of you know mentalities on one side and the other to kind of put a little tension there, you know, not just one mentality, but a variety of different mentalities. And so many, like if, if you have uh, who does is anybody in the room make flower arrangements for? Krishna. Me. Yeah. Now, if it was all the same flower, it would be kind of like, uh. But the whole variety of flower, then it's it's quite glorious and beautiful. So you guys, been you've been in the temple room and you see the flower arrangements. Giorgio, 
He does that on Saturday mornings. Yes. How do you go home? Yeah. Take home? Take home? Well, actually, I kind of had a question. A question? Well. All right. Um, who was the guy who wanted to still kill the guy that killed oh, the baby? Oh, Bima. Yeah, I kind of want to know what happened. Like, how did that end? Oh, they did the thing. They, they cut the jewel. The Bima. Like, what's his story? like? Oh, Bima. Well, see, there's uh, the Pandavas are five very <coughs> saintly brothers. Uh, Bhima is the spiciest of the bunch. <laughs> he is, he is, he's huge. Uh, he he is superhumanly strong, and he's he's got a very spicy mood. And but he's a, but he's a devout lover of God, and a fighter for justice. And when he sees some a hole who killed babies, he's like. About yeah, it. kill that dude. <laughs> <laughs> that guy needs to die. He just yeah. killed baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Bhima is he is known as Vrikodar. Vrika means wolf. Udara means belly. He's he's wolf belly. He's a uh, he's a uh, he has a voracious appetite. He is extremely strong. He once fought a monster that was. Uh, more than ten times larger than him, and he ripped its spine out. <laughs> so violent. <laughs> yes, and he beat it so bad you didn't know what body part was what. Wow. He, I, Mahabharat. If you read it, it is some gory stuff. <laughs> it is some gory stuff. I'm in the Ramayana. There was one uh, monster that Ram fought, and he had this benediction that he couldn't die. And so they, they, they took his, they ripped his arms off and started beating him with his arms, oh and then buried him alive. <laughs> it was some monster that was eating sages in the forest. Um, so yeah, if you want violence or you want romance or if you want intrigue or you want sci-fi, all these ancient books have it. They're like so far out, really, really far out. Um, yeah, he. Bhima is insanely strong. He carried his uh, his four other brothers and and Queen Draupadi on his back from a fire. He carried all of them running through the forest, knocking trees down with his feet. Bhima. Yeah. He's crazy strong. Yeah. It, it's like, he's, uh, yeah, there's there's some wild stuff with Bhima. He's he's there there, him, his wife and him and his brothers had to be in uh, in hiding for uh, for a whole year in disguise. They had some there's some arrangement if they that they were discovered, they would again have to be exiled from their kingdom. And so he came to this one place known as Virat, I think, and he came. All five brothers came one day after another. Arjuna came as a trans woman. Actually, Arjuna's uh, membership disappeared due to her curse for one year. What? Yes. 
And so he comes every time. So one, first it was his oldest brother, Yudhishthir, comes in. And the king, he sees each one of them. He says, oh my God. Whoa, you're, you should be the king. Sit here on the throne. I'm like, whoa, wow. Bhima comes in. Instead of carrying a, a, a big mace on his shoulder, he's carrying like a, a, a cook's like paddle. <laughs> and he comes, and Arjuna comes in. And he's got his, he's got like all these battle scars and his muscles, and, and he's got a long braid. He's walking in with his sari. <laughs> and, his, and his footsteps are shaking the earth. And he says, uh, uh, the Ichon has this whole story. They cre- and they had this uh, also, this benediction that they could not be discovered. Nobody would be able to figure out who they were. They had some kind of blessing. And so, he, he saw Arjuna like that. He said, you should be the king. Sit here, sit here. <laughs> Each one of them. Um, so you can pass out the drink. I'll just tell a little story. Of, of, so uh, uh, Dropadi, his wife, was there. And so she became the, the servant of the queen. He became the cook. And they all became associates of the king. And some man tried to f- uh, force himself on Draupadi. And so she said, I'll meet you tomorrow night. And so tomorrow, the next night, uh, Bima was there all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and he's like, hello. And he's like, ah. <laughs> and no more guy. <laughs> so, Om Tat Sat, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.